Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I mentioned earlier, I'm Hub, and I hope you're having a nice time on this fine whenever you happen to be listening to this. I've been doing pretty good lately. Kind of a lazy week, which is nice for a change. Went ahead and uh, saw the movie John Wick 2. Pretty good. Pretty much the movie it needed to be. Keanu Reeves kills rather a lot of people in a lot of really fun and beautiful ways. But it did make me want something that I very rarely come away from having watched a movie wanting. And that is a prequel. I know. Prequels? Very mixed bag. Not a ton of them pay off the dividends that I wish they would. But my favorite thing about John Wick 2 is its similarities to Harry Potter. Now, I know they're on the surface fairly different, but my favorite things about both movies is there's a secret world that's right below our own, a magical world, a magic assassining world. There's this whole scene where uh, John Wick's getting kitted up to go kill some people, and I kept thinking, he's in Diagon Alley. He's going to all of these secret shops that only special assassins know if they spend their special assassin money and use their secret assassin secrets and their secret assassin courtesy to each other and rules of conduct. And what I want to see is fucking John Wick going to assassin Hogwarts. I want to see all of the kids that are in training and find out that they're really assassins and they have been all along and getting the letter in the mail, and having Assassin Hagrid show up and be like, Johnny, you're an assassin! And I think that would be delightful. So, I assume Hollywood bigwigs are listening. Hey, bigwigs, maybe take off that big wig. You're not doing yourself any favors with that. People already think you've got a big head. The big wig's only making things worse. But, when you're done removing that big wig, maybe get that, uh... John Wick goes to Hogwarts, uh, vehicle moving, and kick your boy Hub over a couple of ducats for that. Thanks. Anyway, we gotta dive back into that Avengers Defenders War. So, without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Brad Reed. He's got some notes on how it should be read, so I'm gonna do my best. Think shitty Broadway jazz musical. All right. Avengers, Defenders, in combat, the Splendors, to hub now, don't stop this, go read a synopsis! I'm doing jazz hands right now, as hard as I can. Thanks, Brad. Avengers, number 117, November 1973, Holocaust. Written by Steve Englehart, drotted by Bob Brown, with inks by Mike Esposito. Defenders Roll Call, Valkyrie. Namor the Submariner. And, uh, that's... that's all. Assembled Avengers. The Swordsman. Captain America. Previously in the Avengers Defenders War. Extra-dimensional Ubadush Dormammu had his sights set on conquering the Earth. Only problem was, he went ahead and pinky swore that he wouldn't invade the Earth's realm. Bummer. To lawyer his way around this promise, Dormammu enlisted the aid of the recently blinded Loki, the Norse god of lies, mischief, and general fuckery. Dormammu promised that he would fix Loki's eyeballs up real good in exchange for the Asgardian asshole's assistance. The two baddie buddies hatched a scheme to trick the defenders into reassembling the six pieces of a mystical artifact called the Evil Eye. If the six fragments, each of which looks like a robot vagina jammed onto the end of a recorder, were assembled, Dormammu could use the dread and puissant fleshlight to expand his own dark dimension to the point that it encompassed the Earth, at which point he would be free to conquer said Earth because it, along with everything else, would be in 
his dimension. Clever plan! Or overly complicated nonsense, I honestly can't tell the difference anymore. The diabolical duo duped the defenders by falsifying a mystical telegram from the Black Knight who had been turned into stone by the Enchantress in a previous issue, saying that the best way to get himself unstatuified would probably be to zap him with the weird magic sex toy called the Evil Eye. Those cads! Don't they know that tampering with the extra-dimensional mystical mail is a mystical federal offense? Or something? Probably? At this point, Loki started having second thoughts about his potentially perfidious partner. What if after conquering but not technically invading the Earth, Dormammu decides to conquer but not technically invade Asgard? Loki wanted to regular invade Asgard. That's where all his favorite stuff is. Realizing that he had ironically been blinded to the scope of Dormammu's blind ambition by his own ambition not to be blind, Loki decided to foil his own plan by enlisting the aid of his old enemies, the Mighty Avengers. Taking a page from Steve Strange's playbook, the deceptive deity sent an astral projection over to the Avengers mansion and told them that the Defenders were a group of supervillains who were planning to use a supernatural sex toy to conquer the planet or some shit. Normally, the Avengers might not have been super keen to trust the word of a literal god of lies, but they were swayed by the facts that A. Loki was blind, which they seemed to think correlated to honesty in some way. 2. His accusations seemed to confirm the gossip of an inbred troglodyte they met in England. And C. The Defenders were now hanging out with Hawkeye and the Avengers knew firsthand what a piece of shit he was. Having completed that very thorough vetting process, the Earth mightiest heroes decided to believe Loki and get their thwart on. Or at least they tried to. The Vision and Scarlet Witch fought the Silver Surfer in Rurutu French Polynesia for one of the sex toy horcruxes. And lost. Iron Man went to Mexico and fought the aforementioned asshole Hawkeye for the second sex toy horcrux. And lost. And Mantis and Black Panther flew to scenic Fort Wayne, Indiana to fight Doctor Strange for the third sex toy horcrux. They lost that fight as well. Hmm, I'm starting to see a trend here. With only three robo-vaginas jammed onto the end of recorders up for grabs, the titanic tussle between team and non-team continues. Gadzooks! Will the Avengers manage to even the sex toy Horcrux score? Will any of the 14 heroes involved in this quote war unquote even try having a conversation with the other side? And could I have skipped this whole previously in the Avengers Defenders War section and just read the two sentences that Engelhart used to sum things up in the previous issue when he said, the Dread Dormammu and Loki had tricked the Defenders into trying to reassemble the six pieces of the evil eye so that Dormammu could cause his dimension to swallow ours. However, Loki began to fear that Asgard would also suffer, so he alerted the Avengers to stop the Defenders by telling them that the Defenders were out to conquer the universe themselves. Stay tuned to find out! Okay, so... Nope. In fact, quite the opposite. Amazingly enough, yes. Mind you, it's after quite a bit of fisticuffs, but still. And, I mean, I guess I could have, but then you wouldn't have gotten to hear me try to pronounce puescent, or perfidious, or troglodyte. And what fun would that have been? So, Dormammu is pretty annoyed when he finally notices that the Avengers are trying to foil his plans. He's all like, Loki, did you tell the Avengers to foil our plans? And Loki's like, what? No way, dude, I love our plans. Our plans are the best. Also, I'm blind right now, which as everyone knows, makes me incapable of duplicity. The dread and apparently dumb as a box of shit Dormammu is instantly mollified and apologizes for doubting the honesty of the literal god of lies. Loki's like, that's cool. Anyway, um, maybe you could fix up these peepers for me, huh, buddy? But Dormammu insists that he is far too distracted by watching superheroes fight each other to possibly do any quality eyeball repair right now. Meanwhile, in an Avengers Quinjet high above the jungles of Bolivia, the swordsman is waxing introspective. He's thinking, 
I used to think being evil was cool, but now I think evil is totally lame, and I want to prove to the Avengers that I'm a cool, cool guy by bringing them home a rad magic sex toy horcrux. And hey, is that a weird German castle in the middle of the jungle? It was probably built by a fleeing Nazi after World War II. That reminds me of the last time I was in South America, and I fought against the Avengers, and oh shit, a flying horse? That last part of the reformed villain's rumination is due to the fact that Valkyrie has just deliberately ridden her flying horse Aragon into the side of his plane, which causes it to crash. Hooray! The formerly felonious Fencer manages to crash land his Quinjet without sustaining any major injuries, but he is understandably perturbed. He storms up to the probably built by a Nazi castle, which is where he figures Val was probably headed. The castle door is answered by a weird-looking dude in a checked jacket who identifies himself as an American and proceeds to give the swashbuckling superhero a surprising amount of backstory about the castle. He informs the swordsman that the castle was indeed built by a fleeing Nazi after the war, but then the Nazi was captured and the castle was abandoned until three months ago when he, the door answerer, who from here on I'm just going to refer to as Lil Jimmy, arrived and bought the place. The swordsman asks if any blonde warrior women on flying horses have arrived recently, and Lil' Jimmy says he doesn't think so, but the swordsman is welcome to poke around a little bit if he wants. Hmm, you'd think whether or not a lady had just shown up on a flying horse would be the sort of thing one could speak to with some degree of certainty. I don't think I trust this Lil' Jimmy, if that's even his real name. Swordsman starts searching the castle. He hears a creaking sound, and when he goes to investigate, he finds Valkyrie rummaging through a treasure chest. Hi, Val. The two heroes attack one another and have a pretty dope swashbuckling sword fight. They sass each other pretty good and swing from tapestries and jump around, and it's awesome. Then they notice little Jimmy furtively trying to lock a giant door. What gives? Turns out that behind that giant door is a treasure chest full of jewels that has a familiar-looking robo-vagina jammed onto a recorder poking out of it. Val kicks the door open and the swordsman runs in and grabs the evil eye fragment. The sex toy swiping swashbuckler is about to run off with a prize when... Lil' Jimmy pulls out a ray gun and shoots him. Wait, what? Lil' Jimmy says he was planning on killing them both so they couldn't steal his treasure or tell anyone about it. Okay, so is he an evil scientist or... or a leprechaun? Or what? Well, we never get to find out what his deal is because before he passes out, the swordsman stabs Lil' Jimmy in the gut with his sword, killing him instantly. So, to sum things up... In order to prove to the Avengers that he had left his villainous past behind him, the swordsman barged into a stranger's house, tried to steal his possessions, and stabbed him to death. Yeah, he's definitely superhero material. Val tends to the swordsman's wounds, and when she is sure that he is going to survive, leaves him for the police, who are about to arrive because someone called them to report that they saw a flying horse, which I guess is illegal in Bolivia? Anyway, Val flies off with the evil eye. Hooray! Meanwhile, in Osaka, Japan, a bunch of people have gathered around Captain America and are calling him an imperialist and yelling at him that he should go home. Realizing that he is unwelcome there and has no legal authority to be there, Cap apologizes to the Japanese citizens and leaves immediately. Just kidding. Cap lectures the mob that has gathered around him and tells them that he is there for their own good to protect them. Of course he does. Then, suddenly, a familiar voice is heard from above Captain America's shoulder calling him a liar. Could it be? Yup, it's Namor the motherfucking Submariner. Hooray! Turns out that he showed up a while ago, found the piece of the evil eye he was looking for, and then just decided to hang around for a while so he could yell at Captain America when he showed up. Hooray! Namor basically says, Hey Cap, 
Do you want this magic sex toy? You do, don't you? Well, then let's fight unless you're chicken. Well, Captain America may have tiny useless wings, but he's no chicken. The two former invaders mix it up. Hooray! Cap manages to get in a few cheap shots, but the Avenging Prince of Atlantis is clearly in control of the fight, when suddenly, someone flying high above the former World War II allies starts pelting them with fireballs. But that can only mean... Could it be? Is it... Yup! It's Sunfire. Oh, you were expecting a different fireball-flinging hothead? No, it's Sunfire, a.k.a. Shiro Yoshida, Japan's favorite mutant hero. What's he up to? Is he here to briefly join, then quit, then rejoin, and then quit the X-Men? Nah, he doesn't start doing that for another year or two. He's here to yell at Namor and Cap and tell them to follow protocol and respect the sanctity of international borders. But they hate doing that. Then he swoops down and swipes the evil eye away from them. They hate that, too. But the break in punching each other does allow Namor the opportunity to explain to his former invader teammate that the only reason the Defenders want the eye in the first place is so that they can use it to cure the Black Knight. Wait a minute. Someone taking the time to explain their point of view instead of just continually punching one another? Why, that's so crazy it just might work. Although, there was a heck of a lot of punching each other before having this conversation. Namor flies after Sunfire and punches him in the face, causing him to drop the mystical robo-vagina. Captain America catches the aforementioned sex toy Horcrux and is about to run off with it, but then thinks better of that plan, deciding instead to turn the device over to Namor and head back to America together so they can compare notes and try to figure out what the fuck is going on. Wow. I mean, he does only decide to do that after Namor threatens to beat the crap out of him again, but still, nice job, guys. I wonder if the Hulk and Thor will be so mature about things when they meet up seeking the final fragment of the evil eye in the next issue. Probably. Those dudes seem pretty level-headed. To be continued. Oh, and I looked it up, and according to a couple of different sources on the internet, the little Jimmy character was apparently the same Nazi who built the castle in the first place, and then came back in disguise to live in his old castle. But I gotta tell you, I read this comic a few times, and I have no idea where they're getting that shit from. I mean, if we're just making shit up that isn't supported by the text, then I say his name is in fact Little Jimmy, and he's a leprechaun scientist from another dimension who needed the treasure chest full of jewels to fuel the machine that will return him to his home planet. Oh, and he was totally gonna fuck the evil eye. There. Now let's get that shit up on Wikipedia. And joining us once again is my good for many things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's okay. How are you? I'm doing okay. Did you remember to hide your eggs from Jesus? Oh, I don't do that. Corey, you gotta hide your eggs. That dude has been dead for three days. He's hungry. I know. Hungry I... for eggs. Well. Corey, he's hungry for eggs. Hide your eggs. I didn't. Well, he's gonna eat all your eggs. That sucks. I hid mine. Where did you hide them? Well, I'm not telling you, because he could be listening. <laughs> you think he's listening to our podcast? I'm told that he is. <laughs> but... I don't need to remember where I hid them. I'll mm. find them later. I dyed them bright colors, so I'll know which ones are mine. Oh, that's clever. That's the origin of Easter, Corey. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. You'll hide your eggs from Jesus, and then you dye them bright colors so you can find them later and know which ones are yours. So, is Good Friday the day that they strung him up and killed him and tortured him and stuff? Yeah. Why do they call it that? I'm assuming sarcasm. I don't know if... You'll be shocked to learn. Mm. I am not a religious scholar. What? I know. I know. It just doesn't seem like the jokiest of religions, you know, as far as religions go. It's so. a very dry religious 
Wait. Mm. <laughs> we should probably move off of this topic. Yes. What did you think of this issue? Oh, it was a fun romp. I agree. It was a frothy romp. Frothy? Yeah. In what sense? In that it was light and frothy like a souffle. Um, okay. You didn't find it frothy? I don't... I can't use that metaphor for the comic book. Okay. Well, you don't have to. Fair enough. Not frothy, rants Corey Whitney. (laughs) That's not going to make it to the back blurb. More froth. (laughs) More froth demands an angry Corey. But you liked it? Yes, I did. (laughs) It was great. I liked it too. It was a lot of fun. It was a pretty quick read compared to some of the ones we've had lately. Which I gotta say is refreshing. It, it kind of is. It's nice. I'm kind of glad we're mixing this up with the new Teen Titans, which even though I really liked the last issue, pretty dense. Yep. But this issue, basically it's two fights and one cutscene of Dormammu and Loki having a spat. Loki, Loki, Loki. Loki didn't do anything bad this issue. He's just a dummy. Like, he's never... Dormammu's never going to give him his eyes back. I think he knows that now, though. Yeah. He, he's like, ah, oh, I was so dumb. Was I so blind that I couldn't see? Oh. We've been over that before. Yes, we have. <laughs> I actually really did enjoy that little scene between him and Dormammu, though. And especially Dormammu's excuse when Loki's basically like, Uh, yeah, so I totally didn't betray you. Because at first Dormammu's like... You betrayed me! He's like, dude, I'm blind. I can't do that. Why Why were Why are the Avengers fighting the Defenders? I don't, I don't know. Um, remember, I'm blind. I can't do anything. And, you know, Dormammu kind of shows his ableist colors and is like, Oh, you're right. Good point. And then Loki's like, So, anyway, speaking of which, uh, how about uh, getting those peepers back working? And Dormammu's just like, oh, I would love to, but I just can't concentrate until I get this whole evil eye thing resolved. Uh, So sorry, man, there's nothing I'd rather do than put those eyes back in that sweet, sweet noggin of yours, but no can do. I thought it was kind of fun. I I enjoyed the dynamic between those two extra-dimensional uber-douches. Pretty lame excuse, though. He's just like... I just, I can't get my mind around anything else. I feel like I've heard that, though, and maybe even use similar excuses. I've used some terrible excuses. Yeah, although you haven't also been able to point and say, like, oh, look, another skirmish is starting between the Avengers and the Defenders. That's true. Like, that's a pretty good way to back up, like, oh, man, there's just too much going on. I can't deal with this. I, I just, I can't concentrate enough. I will totally do that as soon as I can just, you know, get my mind right. It's... It's tax season, man. I I mean... That's my problem. I... That's, what, okay. Like, that's what you could say. What is the worst excuse you have ever used? That's a good question. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't know. I am drawing a blank. Yeah. I might edit this out. I am embarrassed. It, it's definitely the worst one that I... I'm not even going to put it in. I broke up with a girl once and cited 9-11 related stress <laughs> as a reason. What? Yeah. What? Oh my god. It was, I was very young. It oh. was, uh, that was not cool, man. No. Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> oh, you shouldn't be laughing. Yeah. And yet. That's fair. Oh, man. I, I, how do I not know that story? <laughs> well, surprisingly, it's not something I advertise. Yeah, but it's kind of like it's, I mean. It... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't edit that out. What? 
Uh, you can't edit that out. Oh, are you using your veto? I have a veto? How many <laughs> vetoes do I have? Not tell it. Are you going to use it now? Oh, Jesus. It might be your only one. I don't know. I'll think about it. Okay. And there, I have a very complicated system of checks and balances in my mind. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'll share some of the details of it with you later. Okay. If you spend 73 quarry points. Okay. Uh, is that okay you're going to spend the, the points? Yeah. I got If I got them to spend, I'll, you know. Well, I mean, I'm You got to spend money to make money. You, you might only have 73. And there are some other pretty good prizes. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what are the other prizes? Uh... That'll cost you, uh, 14 quarry points. Oh, jeez. Well, I... We'll go over this later. Okay, yeah. So anyway, we read this comic book. <laughs> we sure did. What did you think of the <laughs> Valkyrie and Swordsman fight? How did that Nazi get all those bricks into the Bolivian jungle? Oh, the initial Nazi. Yeah, the guy that built the castle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming that there are no bricks in Bolivia. I haven't been. Wow. Uh, no, they got lots of bricks, actually. Then but why, like... why would that be the issue? Because I just imagine, like, the middle of the jungle being a place where there's not... It's hard to build a castle, that's all. I'm sure it was hard. There weren't, like, Bavarian bricks. They're probably Bolivian bricks. Yeah, they're probably Bolivian bricks. Yeah. I mean, I think he just... Which I bet really... He's just, probably really rich, and he built a castle. I bet that just... You think it irked gr ground him? his gears. <laughs> it may have. To know that those were not real Bavarian bricks. I mean... There were real bricks. I think he probably got over it. You don't I, think I, he was brick racist on top of you know, I think he was okay. He was probably kind of brick racist. You're right. <laughs> I hope it irked him. <laughs> I think uh, I, I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep on on the matter. Okay. And I we still don't know what happened to this Nazi. No. Like hopefully he died by sitting down in some pudding and saying, "Oh my bottom." I feel like I know why you just said that, but I can't. I don't. Could you tell me? Did Is this not a thing? It's kind of a, a callback to when we were talking about uh, different ways that Dr. Light could have been shown his own demise. <laughs> oh, that's right. And I was hoping that some of them were like the most embarrassing and... Uh, <laughs> this is not the worst way to die. Just dying in pudding. It's just dying by sitting in some pudding and saying, oh, my bottom. And then maybe he falls off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I hope the Nazi who built that castle died. In fact, that's probably what happened. That's how I hope all Nazis die. <laughs> oh, that's going to take a lot of pudding. Yep. We got a lot of pudding. That's true. Let's get to work. <laughs> all right. It's a weird, kind of unnecessarily complicated backstory of where they are fighting, uh, in that there's a Nazi castle there, and that we don't know who the bad guy is who's inhabiting the castle. If he's a Nazi too, if it's maybe the original Nazi in disguise. He's a rich American recluse. Yes, but, I mean, he could be a disguised Nazi. Uh, he's even, clearly some kind of a villain. I don't know if we ever find this out later, or maybe that's an Avengers storyline that they will deal with later. Or maybe it's just a weird one-off. He's got a ray gun. He's got some kind of a ray gun that he shoots the swordsman with. Swordsman hates that. He's got a box of boodle. Here's the thing. The swordsman hates that. Probably not as much as he would have hated getting shot with a regular gun, which would probably be cheaper and easier to get your hands on. True. That's I've never really completely understood the like complicated ray gun as supervillain device, when it seems like, by that logic any gun would instantly make you give you supervillain capabilities. Mm -hmm. I really liked the swordsman's response to getting shot. Which was? 
He said something to the effect of, you shot me. You know, ow, I don't care why. <laughs> yeah, he, he did bring that up. Let's take a look at it. Like, why is that the... There's a bunch of great dialogue between the swordsman and Val that I really enjoy. It's really strange, though, because I think that most people... I don't know why I think this, but most people, if they were to be shot, would think, why? <laughs> you know? <laughs> not the swordsman. You shot me. I don't care why you did it, but you're not getting away with it. Mm. I like that he doesn't care why. I like that he's just, whatever, man. People's motivations are irrelevant. You judge them by their actions. It's also pretty obvious. He came into some dude's place and tried to take a shit. And the dude didn't like yeah. it. The guy has, like, he didn't need to be made a supervillain. He could have just been some dude who was like, yeah, I found that. Don't take it. Also, don't come into my house and take my shit no matter what it is. Yeah. But they decided to go a different route, and I'm kind of glad they did. Also, I like that he keeps all of his treasure in a treasure chest. Just in a special room. Everything I like. Clearly, the evil eye has only been there not very long. It only, like, got sent burrowing through the earth a couple years ago at this point. I like that he just has a treasure chest that he's just like, yeah, everything that I like that I, I I don't have to know what it is. If I think I, I find something and I think it's cool, it's going in the treasure chest with all of these doubloons and shit. Mm -hmm. But when Val first gets to the castle, and it's still unclear if the dude let her in like he let the swordsman in, and he did know that she was there, and then he was pretending he didn't know she was there, or what was going on with that shit. But... Swordsman busts in, she's going through the treasure chest, and he goes, so! And she goes, so what? <laughs> I quite enjoyed that exchange. I loved that. It made me very happy. They're, and then they just have a really good old-fashioned swashbuckling sword fight where they descend from tapestries that are hung from the wall like, and swing down from them. I don't think there were technically any chandeliers, but it would not have been at all out of place for them to sw have swung from them. And I think it's pretty clear that they both enjoyed it. And I like the swordsman's stance towards Val, where he's not particularly upset that she's a supervillain. He just thinks like, well, if you're going to be a supervillain, you should be doing a better job of it. Learn how to fall. I was a supervillain. Let me give you some supervillain pointers. Mm -hmm. And I like that he thinks of himself as a gentlemanly rogue, but is kind of coming to the realization that like, nah, I was just kind of a douche. I had never really given a shit about the swordsman character and had generally kind of disliked him. I think he's comes across pretty good in this issue. I don't agree. I felt really? like, yeah, I was annoyed by his musings about like, I used to be bad, but now I'm good. But like, I don't know. I guess I'm just a guy with a sword and little mustache. I, I agree completely with your analysis that that was his inner dialogue. I thought that was awesome. I thought it was funny, but I didn't care. I was just like, oh, you're, I, I'm so annoyed. Okay. I was, I was not annoyed. I found him kind of disarming. I liked him. Um, I'll agree to disagree. Okay. That's going to cost you 12 Corey points. Spent. I'm kidding. You can disagree for free. Oh, lovely. Yeah. It was, I, I thought it was a really fun fight. I enjoyed their exchanges. There's one particular one that I would not be surprised if it shows up later when we talk about best words. But she says to him at one point, threats from a man with a pretty mustache? That cracked me up. That was maybe one of my favorite things that has been said in this comic book so far. And he does have a pretty mustache. He's got a weird little twirly mustache. And uh, yeah, it cracks me up. It seemed strange to me he kept referring to her as blue eyes. Like, kind of reminded me, like, I was like, who? Why does that ring a bell? And I was like, Frank Sinatra is the only other person who I've heard referred um, to by that nickname. Thing. Oh, really? 
Yeah, he always, yeah. Huh. Well. There you go. All so right. it's Val, Frank Sinatra, and The Thing. Mm-hmm. Now that would be a good team book. Oh, yeah. I would read that. Sure. Yeah. It's clobbering time. It's ring-a-ding-ding for those bozos. <laughs> and then Val says something. She doesn't really have a catchphrase yet. Mm. Not that that's necessarily Frank Sinatra's catchphrase. <laughs> it's not. I think of it as. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. Was there anything else about the Val and Swordsman encounter you wanted to talk about? Just that it was super badass that she made the Swordsman crash his plane by attacking it with a horse. Yeah. A flying horse. A Pegasus. Really, just all around. Great job, Val. Yep. Yeah. And then that when he's injured, she's like, well, I need this evil eye so that we can rescue the Black Knight, even though I don't want him brought back to life because I'm in love with him. Okay. But you know what? You fought a good fight. I have respect for you now, swordsman. I will make sure that you get the medical attention you you need. And hats off to you. I think you would appreciate this gesture. Yep. Yeah. That was good. Good respect. job all around. Yep. Yeah. Respect given, respect mm-hmm. earned. Yes. I salute you. Which brings us to the final chapter, which is the fight between Captain America and Namor. <laughs> Namor is awesome. I love Namor so much. He's, <laughs> he's just standing there, like, holding the evil eye aloft with his hand on his hip. Yeah. <laughs> just like... I wonder how long he had been standing there like that, waiting for Captain America to show up. All day. Doesn't I think, matter. like, maybe he yeah. had gotten there the previous day, even. Yeah. And he's just like, eventually... He's going to get here. I know I should take this back to Doctor Strange, but uh, I would like to maybe see my old buddy Captain America and let him know that I'm the best. (laughs) And he really, he just basically kicks Captain America around. Cap is on defense the whole time. He mentioned something about Captain America had recently gotten super strength. Yep. I was completely unaware of that. Yeah, I'm I'm not familiar with him canonically, just, you know, from the recent movies and everything. Mm -hmm. I was like, I thought he came that way. I mean... He doesn't have super strength. He's like peak human physical condition. Kind of like uh, kind of like Deathstroke, I guess. Like He's not using 90% of his... Like an acrobat. Yeah, more like an acrobat. But but like he took a serum. He's basically like a roided up dude, but still just a dude. Mm. But they just kick each other all around Japan. I kind of like that when Captain America shows up, the Japanese people and authorities are just like, Dude! You have to let somebody know if you're coming here. You can't just show up wherever you want and then take our shit. We're not cool with that. And he's like, yes, yes, I understand that. But also gimme because I want it. Boo, Cap. Yep. Boo. He does say, though, that like he does make clear, like, I'm not representing the government of the U.S. Or I'm I'm here as an Avenger. Yep. Yeah. But it's tough to say that you don't represent the United States. When you're wearing a giant A on your head and are dressed in red, white, and blue. Yep, it seems disingenuous, in fact. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, his name isn't Captain Avenger. Nope. It's Captain America. Indeed. You brought up something that I could, last issue, that I could not get out of my mind this entire fight. It's a real battle of the tiny wings. Yeah. Four of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Until the entrance of Sunfire. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I like Sunfire. Are you at all familiar with Sunfire? No, I'm not. He was actually one of... He was an old X-Men character. Uh, I think he showed up in, like, X-Men 64 of the original run. And then he was one of the original giant size X-Men, the group that brought in Wolverine and Storm and Colossus and Nightcrawler. Hmm. And he was, I think, mostly known for 
continually storming off and quitting the team. Mm. Yeah, and he was a literal hothead because oh. he has fire powers yep. huh? and he's Got sunfire. Mm-hmm. He also shares a name with, I believe, the first Transformer I ever owned when I was a kid. I think it was Sunfire. Which one was that? I think he was like a yellow Lamborghini. He wasn't a very popular one, but oh. uh, but it was the one that I had because those things were kind of expensive, so I only had two of them mm-hmm. ever. I had that and I had the fire truck one, which was named Infernal. Oh, man. It was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. I had a couple. Yeah. Those are pretty good. I, I had some of like the mini ones too, but like those were the only two like full-size like metal transformers you remember GoBots? of course i remember GoBots, Corey. boy transformers made those look kind of stupid oh man transformers make GoBots look like a sorry sack of shit yeah i, re- I remember there was a kid in my school who had GoBots for a while everybody was like hey let's be friends because you've got GoBots." and he brought him to school and then one day a kid brought a transformer in and then everybody was just like fuck you david because <laughs> <laughs> kids are shitty you think your GoBots will leave <laughs> yeah Harsh. No kidding. But Sunfire's deal is he is a mutant. Mm-hmm. His name is Shiro Yoshida. And he was one of the X-Men. And then like halfway through their first adventure, he quit and then came back and then finished the adventure and then quit again. And then he, I think, rejoined up with them a couple of times since then. But mostly he just seems to like storming off angrily. He, I think, is well matched with Namor in that regard. Ah. Uh, and and I kind of like them as a pairing. Fire and water. Yeah. I also liked something that came up, which is some of Namor's resentment towards America. Mm-hmm. That his dad was an American, and his mom was Atlantean, and when he was a kid, him and Bira, his half-brother, would, like, be playing. Mm-hmm. And he would always, like, when they would play Americans and Atlanteans, and I love that they played that, he would always be the American. Mm-hmm. And he would always side with them. But then as he grew up, he realized that America would never consider him one of their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there was too racist and insular a country. And he resents that. And that makes sense. And I like that as part of his characterization. And I like his whole dynamic with Cap, too. The whole being part of a team thing, too, again, he's like, man, after I bring back this thing, I'm going to quit. Yeah. Like, I'm over it. Yeah. So, again, similar to matched personality with uh, yeah with sunfire yeah uh the other thing that is definitely worth bringing up about this issue is that once we're back to the bob brown art and overall i think bob brown does a much better job with the art in this issue than he has in the previous two yeah i agree um there's some really cool looking panels uh he definitely has a lot of fun with the sound effects (laughs) but the one thing that he does pretty continually is draw the evil eye looking like an artificial vagina. Yeah, there's a lot of that. He just keeps doing it. And it's really, really pronounced. You just have to turn it the other way and it looks like an eye. Yeah, yeah. If you just turn that thing horizontally, it looks like an eyeball. 90 degrees, that's all we need. Yeah. But he just won't. Mm -mm. He just won't do it. Nope. In a certain sense, you have to respect him. Sticking to his principles. Yep. But, yeah, I'll definitely put some stills of it up there, but really looks like a fleshlight jammed onto a recorder. But yeah, Namor knocks Captain America around. They fight over the evil eye, and then Sunfire swoops in and is just like, what the fuck, guys? You have to start in- respecting international borders. You can't just go wherever you want. You know what? This is here. I'm Japan's hero. I'm taking this fucking thing. And you guys should go the fuck home. And both Captain America and Namor are like, oh, they don't want to. 
Mm-mm. Namor calls him a name. Calls him like a nationalist <laughs> fool or he does, something. Which I really actually like that line. He says, why, you nationalistic moron. <laughs> I love that line. I gotta believe that's also kind of his pet name for Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> like back when they were in the invaders together. Because in the 40s, uh, Captain America and Namor were teammates uh, in World War II. Mm. And they, they fought Nazis together. Mm. It was great. Have you ever read any of the Invaders stuff? I have not. It's the two of them and the original Human Torch. Oh. And their various teenage sidekicks. And then later they get joined by other heroes. Most notably, the Wizard, who has a yellow costume and runs real fast. <laughs> Maybe my favorite hero name ever. Do you know how he got his uh, superpowers? Did he pee on an electric fence? No, that would be good too. And actually more plausible. Hmm. No, he got a transfusion of mongoose blood. And so it gave him super speed. Whoa. You know, like having a transfusion of mongoose blood would do. The mongoose is like a big rat, kind of. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, Are they fast? They're pretty quick. And they can fight cobras, which is yeah. pretty tough. Yeah, but I don't think they're like run nearly the speed of light fast, which is what the wizard and once again, yellow costume and his name was the wizard yeah. could do. So good. But it was nice seeing them with Sunfire because it kind of really brought back an, an invaders vibe. And I think that is what they are kind of hinting at on the cover where you see a hero or you see an arm coming into the panel that has like flame marks on the side of it. And a caption comes in, you'll never guess the identity of our mystery supervillain. I really think they were trying to imply that it was going to be the original Human Torch. Mm. And no, it's Sunfire, which I think is kind of a fun misdirection, but also I think is a little disrespectful to Sunfire because I think he's a pretty dope dude. He's also not a supervillain, is he? No, I mean, I guess that's all a matter of perspective. He gets treated as a villain some. I think he was introduced kind of as a villain. Just, I think anytime you have somebody representing a country as a hero whose values are not necessarily or interests are not necessarily aligned with the United States, they're going to be viewed as a villain. Mm-hmm. Which, no, it isn't fair. You're right, Corey. Thanks. Points! Yay! And really, nobody ever really addresses the fact that Sunfire has a perfectly valid point. I think they both acknowledge that he has a point, but are also just like, yes, you're right, but we still want to do the thing that we want to do. Mm-hmm. So, come on, give. Yeah. But something happens that should have happened at the very beginning of their encounter. Namor and Cap have a little chat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in the form of Namor giving a lecture. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Which I think is reasonable. But yeah, he basically tells him, you're being deluded by Loki. And Cap actually sits back and thinks about it and is like, wait, we are listening to Loki. There's some shit going on. I think we're all kind of being had. And Namor says like, yeah, probably. Anyway, I'm taking this eye back. A glimmer of hope. A glimmer of hope. And they sit down and have a conversation. Or sit down and listen to a lecture by Namor. Is Namor like holding him by the ankle flying through the air at this point before he drops him in the ocean when they're having that? I can't... I think they maybe. Let me take a look. There was a scene in which they're having a a talk where Namor's like literally dragging him. (laughs) Yeah. Just dragging him around by his ankle while he flies around and saying, uh, You know nothing. Your so-called mind is filled with Loki's lie. (laughs) Dude, your so-called mind is a pretty great guess. 
I should drop you on your cowled cranium like the minor annoyance you are, with no further delay. Yet, as the only other superhuman remaining from the Second World War, you deserve better. Listen, for I shall only speak once. And then just, I think, yeah, as he is still dragging him around by his ankle, he's like, here's the deal. We want the evil eye so that we can restore your buddy the Black Knight. And Cap's like, that doesn't jibe with the other facts. And by facts, you mean things that Loki told you. Mm-hmm. And things start to tumble into place. And then Captain America does get the eye back and then is like, no, you know what? Namor, here you go. Only after Namor's like, am I going to have to kick your ass again? <laughs> or are you just going to give me that? Yeah. He's like, okay. <laughs> it's pretty great. I like their whole fight. I like Sunfire. Well, good times. Agreed. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on that has happened so far? Or are you ready to get into the minutia? Just the one super awesome thing that Captain America did that even though he basically got his ass kicked the whole issue, this one thing he did was was great. And he made Namor look like a total doofus. And Namor has got the evil eye. He's done this like epic like beginning to some swan dive type thing. And Captain America throws his shield, and it just totally bisects the path of Namor diving into the water. And he does a belly flop. He onto does a belly shield. flop onto a shield, and that was pretty cool. Super goofy. Captain America, he, yes, he gets his ass kicked because he is just way outmatched in this fight by Namor. But he is crafty, and he's a good fighter, and he he throws in some some decent offense in the form of being a minor annoyance to Namor. He delays the inevitable. In a noble fashion, which I think is kind of what Captain America does best. I like it when he punches up. And Namor is super duper tough, so yeah, hats off. Agreed. You ready for the minutia? Indeed. Rick, take it away. We got minutia. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. Indeed, thank you. What do you want to talk about first? Let's uh, mix them up and start with uh, who's got to be a sucker. Okay. What was your I just got to be a sucker moment? For me, it was it was Captain America handing the flesh, the um, evil eye, the evil eye back to Namor because yeah. they have, I think, a, a similar personality of like I say I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. I think it kind of makes a little bit more sense to me to have Captain America be, like, the voice of reason. You don't think his ego would, like, in, yeah. in most cases, they'll kick in where Namor's like, do I really have to kick your ass again? He's like, you didn't beat me that badly. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you cannot have it back. Yeah, I think I guess you're right. I think that is actually a pretty good one. Mine was a real stretch, but I had it be Namor for showing up and getting the eye and then just waiting around for Captain America to show up so he could kick his ass rather than leave with it immediately. But that is absolutely keeping in Namor's character. <laughs> no, he that, that is totally Namor. Just like him. can't yeah. Um I think yours actually makes more sense. So I'm gonna go with what my backup was, which was whoever the fuck that villain is who just lets the swordsman into his castle and like, yeah, poke around. Look for look for whoever. Yeah, what, have what, at it. Maybe you want to come steal some treasure? What did Swordsman say? Like, so there's uh, bad guys around. Yeah. You should let me in. Yeah. <laughs> when this yeah, guy is the first still, I think, I've internationally seen. known as being a thief and a supervillain. Yep. Like, yeah, he's an Avenger now, but I think especially in Bolivia, he had a bad reputation. Mm. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the nameless 
super villain? Yeah. I'm really curious. I'm going to have to look up who that villain is. Some weird dude. It might just be a weird dude who owns a castle. Mm-hmm. Or stays in a And castle? how did he get the flesh? The... Fucking... I gotta stop calling it that. Get the uh, scepter. The... Evil eye? Evil eye. He just found it. It was in Bolivia. Yeah. Maybe he just showed up in his castle. And then mm-hmm. he's like, oh, into the treasure chest. Yeah, that looks nice. That looks cool. And you go, maybe I'll make a collage with this later. Sartorially speaking, what uh, what fashion choices would you like to talk about? I had uh, Sunfire's getup. Sunfire has a pretty fucking sweet getup. The only thing about it that seems weird is the face mask part of it. Like, I get it's supposed to look maybe fiery. It's it's like a cross between fiery and, like, Hawkman. Mm -hmm. But it seems like it doesn't really fit on his face in all of the panels exactly. Yeah, it, it looks kind of like he is just... It is being held onto his face by him flying forward. Mm-hmm. Like it's just wind pressure that's flapping it against his forehead. But overall, it's a tight fucking outfit. It's got the whole rising sun motif on mm-hmm. the chest. And then that mixed with like flames on the arms. It looks really cool. Very badass. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to talk about that. I also wanted to talk about, once again, whoever the fuck the nameless villain is. He's got a pretty good look going for himself. He's got a he's got a nice a nice checked coat and he's got a uh, a nice blue cravat he's wearing with it over some kind of a jumpsuit and yeah I think it's a pretty good look actually I mean you know fuck that guy he's mm-hmm. probably a Nazi I hope he sits in some pudding and then falls off a cliff mm-hmm. but he looks pretty good I don't know this seems like weird choice because just climate wise like the jungle uh, he's supposed to be in the jungle right. He's in Bolivia. He's in a castle. It's probably air-conditioned. Well, parts of Bolivia are pretty cold up in the mountains. Yeah. By Lake Titicaca. It's I'm, I'm sorry, by... By the big lake they got. And and what's it called? Titicaca. Titicaca? Yep. Yeah, I know that. I just like I like saying it. I like making you say it. Yeah. That's fun. fun name. Fun name for it. Hey, Bolivia. Great job. Nice name. <laughs> it's a beautiful lake. It is. You know what the second largest lake in South America is? Lake Booby Doodoo. <laughs> That's is that new? Did you just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, Who knew? What were your favorite sound effects? Oh, there were so many good sound effects. Man, they had some fun with these sound effects. They did. I think my favorite is when uh, Captain America uh, clams Namor in the face with his shield. I think that is probably mine too, but let's just give a list of some of them. We have Tonk, Quaz. I think it's Quaz. It's Q-A-Z. Uh-huh. I think you can't even it's make It's unpronounceable. The, it's, it's the sound of like... um Yeah, like... A laser sound, you know, yeah. like that. Clam. So I had I had tonk is like a hyphenated sound of blam tonk. Oh, I thought tonk was a separate one. It might be, but in my mind, the way that I read it in one panel, like they, that's when they fall off the tapestry, right? Mm-hmm. And something, and the first thing happens like blam, and then the second thing happens like tonk, <laughs> blam tonk. Yeah, blam tonk was great. Tadam, I liked tadam pretty good. Once again, we get crump. Mm-hmm. More crumping. Crump. Stom. Stom is the noise that it makes of doing a belly flop onto a vibranium shield. Okay. I mean, I can't disprove it. No, we don't have the technology. And then you get clop. 
And huh. you also had people going upstairs and it literally made the noise. Tromp, tromp, tromp. Mm-hmm. And there was a sploosh. There was a sploosh too. It Man, great noises. I think I'm going to go with clam too. All right, Just, clams. Yeah, it was a pretty <laughs> fun one. So this is kind of a tricky one. Best defender, worst defender. Who is the best defender? This is a tricky one. It's a tricky one because there's only two defenders. There's only two people fighting on the side of the defenders. My note was short and simple, and I wrote, Subby, might and reason. Yeah, I guess. I can't not give it to Val, though. Val did such a good job. She did a great job. And she sassed the fuck out of the swordsman in a really fun way. Mm-hmm. That was a fun time. Yeah. I I had best defender being Val, and then I had worst defender being Namor. Things worked out fine, but as cool as it is, if you're on a quest and you find the object of your quest, don't think you should stand around waiting for the other person who wants the thing you're getting to show up just so you can beat them up. I was totally annoyed by that also, but it's pretty, it was keeping with character. It's so very Namor, you're right. Yeah, Yeah, but I... And also, all that, that shit like that happens constantly throughout throughout the series. Yeah. Where, like, it could have been Like when so Doctor much Strange did that thing where he yes. finds the eye and then is like, I'd better change into a middle-aged woman and take a bus trip. I should hide under a bus. Yes. As well, a middle-aged woman. Was he hiding under the bus? I thought so. I thought he turned into the old lady and then hid under the bus. No, I think he was an old lady who was getting on the bus and then Mantis punched him and then he went under the bus. Okay. That makes more sense. I might be wrong. Maybe he was an old lady hiding under a bus. No, he was waiting for the bus and then somehow was under there. I just thought he, like, when things got sketchy, he was like, I'll hide under here. <laughs> <laughs> so you think he was full on doubtfiring it? Like he was doing his Mrs. Doubtfire voice uh, the whole time he was dressed up as the old lady? I would assume so. Yeah, you're probably right. Cool. <laughs> it's called acting. <laughs> Boys. <laughs> Look it up. (laughs) Uh, You do a really good Doctor Strange voice, Corey. Thank you. What else do we have to cover? Panels. Okay. Yeah, what was your favorite panel? Um, I had a toss-up. I I think I'm going to go with a panel that I call Make Room. And it's <laughs> it's Namor. There's a, the crowd of the, the Japanese citizens are like, hey, go away. And he's like, no, I'm going to have a giant fight. Oh, yeah. And he's just... Stand back, surface crawlers, and give the captain and myself room. <laughs> I just feel like it really captures his essence. It in, really in does. I like that. And I like that the next page, panel, too, it's, he's just goading Captain Rickle. He's, he, he says, well, here I am, and here's the eye. The next use, move is yours, Avenger. And he's just pointing at the eyes. He's holding it in his hand right over Captain America's shoulder. Really, ah. He's being such a dick. He's being such a dick. Yeah, I. it's one that we've talked about before, but I think I'm going to go with Clam as being my favorite. Because it's just Captain America wanging Namor in the face with his shield as a sucker punch, basically. Yep. And it makes the Clam noise, and it says that in big letters, and Cap's going, how about this? It's a good one. There are a ton of good ones. Yeah, I think my other favorite is probably another one that we've talked about. It's the so-so-what exchange. It's the words that make the panel, but yeah. it's a... Uh, panel itself. Because it's actually shot through Swordsman's legs. And it's just Val going through the treasure chest and he's going, so, and she's going, so what? That was good. But yeah, I do like it. I like that she's sifting through a treasure chest and it's interrupted and it's like, so, so what? I love Val. It's good dialogue. Yeah, it is. 
I think I need to say so. Yeah, saying so is a great thing to say, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everybody does great. What is a boodle? The fuck is a boodle? A bun? Uh, a boodle is a prize. A prize? Ah. Yeah. When I'm taking I, a boodle. I went to the store and I won a boodle. <laughs> what? Uh, wait, how did you win something at the store? Door prize. Oh, door prize at the store prize? Yeah. Oh. A boodle. Oh, man. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying. I'm trying the word out. Ah, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think it would be like, yeah, like a booty, maybe? Oh. Like stolen booty? Boodle. Booty. Booty boodle. Let's, let's look at how Swordsman uses the word. Because I did like that, too. Because even though he's a reformed villain, he's not shying away from the fact that he was one and that that's still kind of his nature. So he sees the treasure chest that's got the eye in it. And, yeah, Val sees it. She's like, good lord, a treasure chest of jewels and the evil eye. And Swordsman interrupts her and says, A treasure I'll take charge of, Blue Eyes. When there's a boodle to be had, the Swordsman doesn't let a little love tap stop him. Because she had hit him with a sword earlier. Man. A boodle to be had. When there's a boodle to be had. Hmm. Oh. And after all. Ha <laughs> I am the boodle bandit. <laughs> That's pretty good. Time for you to grow a pretty little mustache. Ash. What does she call it? A, just a pretty mustache? I think she just calls it a pretty mustache. Yep. I mean, I have a mustache right now. I wouldn't say it's pretty. I mean, no. I'm pretty. But his mustache seems like a pain in the ass. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, like, twirly mustache. Very but it's also a very thin mustache. Yeah. It's like if Tony Stark grew his mustache out longer and then twirled it. It's a very villainous mustache. So, I mean, props to him for not shaving it off when he became a hero. Probably took a lot of work to cultivate that. You have to get your hair to grow a certain way, probably, to pull off a tiny little mustache like that. Yeah. Like, the hairs probably have to be super long. I like it in a cartoon. If I saw a guy who actually had that mustache, I would want nothing to do with them. No, I mean, I wouldn't want that. Maybe could go away. Take your pretty mustache away. You'll get none of this, Boodle. <laughs> For I, the Boodle Bandit, am here. <laughs> oh, man, we should have the Boodle Bandit be a hostess villain. Oh, that's a good idea. How about it, hostess? Give us some money. We'll write a thing where the Boodle Bandit tries to steal some hostess fruit pies. Or maybe we'll do it and then you can give us money afterwards if you decide you like it. No, no, that won't work. They gotta give us the money first. They are not listening. Somebody tell hostess to give us the money. <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah, and some, not fruit pies, because those weren't that good. the zingers are pretty good. The zingers. Yeah, give us Ooh, the zingers. The orange uh, cupcakes. Orange cupcakes, pretty good. Those are good. Yeah, I'll take those. Yep. Yeah, those and the zingers. Oh, sometimes they do the red velvet cupcakes. Those are pretty good. Okay, red velvet cupcakes, orange cupcake. Zingers. Zingers. And a boodle. And then we'll write you your ad. Yeah. <laughs> With the boodle bandit. With the boodle bandit. Copyright. Trademark. This podcast. Registering. I'm gonna mail this podcast to myself. And then it's too late for them. Yeah, what? If you mail it to your doesn't If that... I mail it to myself, then it's copyrighted. Is that how it works? <laughs> yeah, probably. It's so easy. Yeah. Oh shit. Take that. <laughs> did, no, don't no, antagonize not... the, the hostess. I'm not no, no, I'm I'm saying take that high price lawyers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who want my copyright money. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got that all figured out. Agreed. Favorite words. I don't think we specifically have talked about that, but I'm going with 
threats from a man with a pretty mustache. What do you got for best words? I liked a turn of phrase that Sunfire had. It was funny to me because it, it reminded me of like how the word game is, is used in, in hip hop, you know, yeah. kind of today. But he said, you would have been better advised to heed my countrymen, Captain America. We're all wary of foreigners thrusting their game upon us. Like, don't thrust your game upon people. Yeah, That's I not like cool. that too. No, that is a good turn of phrase. Yep. Nice work. I also had uh, my backup was, why? You nationalistic moron. (laughs) That's good. My backup was, you shot me. I don't care why. (laughs) Man, those are all great. Yep. Is that everything? That's all of it. Wow. Great job, Corey. That was a fun, breezy issue. Indeed. I'm sorry it didn't have enough froth for you. It's okay. (laughs) I'll get more later. Okay. See that you do. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a frothy breeze. (laughs) Yeah. No, you want to go outside and get a breeze to throw its froth upon you? What if you're at the ocean? I still don't want it. You don't want a frothy breeze at the ocean? The ocean froth? No, it can breeze it around. I was always freaked out by that anyway. Really? Yeah. Why? Like, what is what is what is that stuff even? Do you think it's backwash from the ocean? I don't know. I don't know. It's just like stuff from the kelp. Probably has probably kelp and shit. It's good. <laughs> all right. Well, you can have all the ocean breeze froth you want. Thank you. I will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a frothy breeze. If you would like to get in touch with us, or if you are hostess ready to give us that boodle, you can reach us at ttwasteland at gmail.com. Uh, if you would like to find us on Twitter, we are at at ttwasteland underscore. Uh, we're on Tumblr. We're on Facebook. We're on iTunes. That's maybe how you listen to this. If not, however you did listen to this, if you could leave a five-star review there, that, that'd be that'd be nice. That'd be we've, real we've gotten boodle. a bunch of them, and... Uh, Helps people find us. Maybe can help those hostess fat cats find us and uh, give us that sweet boodle we crave. Zingers. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, we will be back next week with New Teen Titans number 14. Maybe we'll find out what's up with that goddamn ziggurat. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. And then we will be back in two weeks with Defenders number 10, the conclusion of the Avengers Defenders War. Hmm. I hope you can join us for it. It's been great. Yes. All right. I'm Hub, and goodbye. Poodle. Frog. <laughs> and they knew it. Lake Booby Doodoo.
Hmm. I might edit out some of that 20 minutes of laughter at <laughs> Lake Booby Doo. <laughs>